Welcome to Real Life Christianity with Deacon John Lozano. This podcast is about real life and living it in the light of the gospel. Real things, everyday things, relationships at home and work, real issues that the world presents every day, the complexities, difficulties, joys and aspirations of being human. Deacon John is a real guy, a deacon, but also a husband, a dad, a businessman, as well as an experienced counselor, educator, and author. And Deacon John invites us to come as you are as he brings the transformative power of the gospel down from the clouds to real life, your life. Well, welcome. Welcome to the great feast of Pentecost. Welcome to the feast of the person of God, the Holy Spirit. For those who don't know me, my name is Deacon John Lozano. I've been uh, in different ways associated with the Norbertine community and this abbey uh, on and off again for over 40 years. The Abbey for me, this community, this place has always been a place that kind of speaks out and beckons us to prayer, to contemplation, and to meeting him. It's like that, that rare place in this neck of the woods that, that beckons us whenever you're near here. I have many special memories. One uh, very special one was uh, when I was very close to marrying my wife, we came to the Eucharistic Chapel here, and one evening we knelt before the Blessed Sacrament, and I asked Helen if she would marry me. And she said yes. And so in front of the Blessed Sacrament, we made our vows, and I gave her an engagement ring that had a diamond. Very special. So 25 years later, when it was our 25th anniversary, I said, why don't we go back to the sacred uh, Eucharistic chapel, and uh, once again, 25 years later, we were kneeling in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and uh, I surprised her with an anniversary ring. And again, it was another diamond, and a little bigger this time. <laughs> Very special. So on the way home that night, uh, we were in the car, and Helen looks over to me and says, you know, you know John, uh, you know, I, w- I think it would be good that we go to the Abbey more often. <laughs> You get it here? Come on, come on. <laughs> I don't know if I could afford another trip like that one. <laughs> There's a show on television. It's called Antiques Roadshow. You've probably seen it when you flip through the stations. It's on like all the time. And it's a very uh, interesting show sometimes because they, they bring these experts in antiques and they travel the country. And people bring antiques to find out about them. Uh, and to see what they're worth. Now, almost all these people inherited this antique, and it's sitting like on the edge of their living room, and they walk by it all the time, and you know, it has some sentimental value, but they really don't know anything about it. They don't know what it's worth. So they come to this thing, and of course, the, the best ones are the ones they show, and The expert starts explaining the antique, what it's all about, its background, its meaning, and their eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger, and 
like this. And then, of course, then there's the big moment where they say what it's worth. And it's this large amount of money. And they say, oh my, in fact, to the person, they all say, I had no idea. I had no idea. Friends, I sadly must confess that for most people, the Holy Spirit is like an antique in our life. It's there in our life, but it's on the edge. And most of us really don't know much about this Holy Spirit. We don't know what its value is. You know, I think there's uh, two reasons for that. One is the, the image of the Spirit. We heard it in today's Gospel. It's breath. In the Greek, it's, it's God's breath. It's wind and fire. You know, how do you wrap your arms around breath or wind? How do we understand the Spirit when that's the image we have, the means in which the Spirit comes. I mean, we have Jesus, right? We've got the Gospels, we got what he said, we can relate, we understand what it is to have a father or mother. God is our father. We get that. We can relate to that, but the Spirit is, is amorphous. It's difficult. And the second reason we trouble with the Spirit, if we're honest, is control. You see, we really like being in control. We really like to control other people. Husbands like to control their wives and wives their husbands, and their ch parents their children, and in community or church, or even God. I want to be in control. Uh, I remember having lunch with my son when he was in his uh, mid-20s, and he uh, looked me in the eye and said, I have something to tell you, Dad. I said, what is that? He goes, you know, Dad, you're, you're kind of controlling. And I paused. And he was right. He was right. And that never works with the Spirit. You can't control wind or breath. The Spirit comes as the Spirit wills, or the Spirit does not come at all. It requires this abandonment of control. You know, I think the images of the Spirit can speak to us. You know, breath. The Spirit was breathed on them. Golly, really, how beautiful is that? How intimate is breath? It's what you breathe in. It's what becomes part of you. Golly, it gives you life. You couldn't breathe for maybe a minute and not live. You know, who, who do you let breathe on you? Nobody. It's too intimate. You know, Americans have a, like a three and a half foot comfort zone with people, you know, like you're in a, 
elevator and you're like trying to get away from it. You don't want anybody close to you. You don't want anybody breathing on you. You know, maybe if you hold an infant close to your face, you'll let an infant breathe on you. Maybe if it's a child or an adult who's sobbing and, and mourning and you're, you're comforting them, you're holding them, you get some of their breath. Maybe then. Maybe a spouse, a husband and wife might get the breath of the other. The Spirit is the intimacy of God. Given like breath to become one with us. You know, how intimate is pregnancy? It's a life of a person in there. And Mary says to the angel, how is this going to be? How am I going to become pregnant? The Holy Spirit will come on you. It will be a birth of a life in you. Because it will breathe within you. Friends, the life of Christ is meant to be breathed into us. You know, I think it was St. Augustine who said, if Jesus was only born in Bethlehem, what good is it? What, what, what good is it if he's not born in you and me? If we don't receive the breath of God and let the life of God be birthed in us. The other image of the Spirit speaks well. It's the wind of God which blows gently or powerfully. Or the fire of God. This power of God given. We're uncomfortable with that. Power of God. You know, uh, when the priest at consecration, there's a, a praise over the bread and the wine. It's called the epiclesis. It means they call on the Holy Spirit to transform the bread in the wine into the body and blood of Christ. What, what power is there to transform bread into the body of God and wine into the blood of Christ? What does that? The Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit that's meant to transform you and me. God isn't about making us nice. He's about making us new. Created anew in that same spirit. You know, at Pentecost, this reading we had, these disciples were hovered in fear. The doors were locked. And they had a lot to be afraid of, being crucified, or what would Jesus say? They were a gathering of fear and failure. Each of them, to the man, to the person, had failed Christ, failed him. And in the midst of that fear and failure, Jesus comes and gives peace and breathes on them. Breathes on them. And sends them 
What were you sending these people? This group of failed disciples? People with fear and anxiety? Yes. In fact, he doesn't even mention their failure. He doesn't take them aside and straighten them out. He breathes and sends, making an utterly clear statement, but by the power of the Spirit, you can do this. And it's not about you. It's not about your fears, or our fears, or our failures, yours and mine, or our issues. And we all have our issues. We all have our reasons why we could not be chosen. And yet, you and I are chosen. This isn't about the disciples. It's about us. About all of us. No matter what baggage you're carrying, or the limitations you find. He breathes on you. And he sends. You know, there's a couple lines in the Bible that I just find extraordinary. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, it is better for you that I go, for if I do not go, you will not receive the Holy Spirit. What kind of a statement is that? What could be better than having Jesus with you? The Holy Spirit that breathes on all humanity, the Spirit of Jesus, that blows like wind wherever He wills upon us, waiting for those who would breathe in and receive. You know, two, two weeks ago, we read in Acts of the Apostles that there was this big debate. There was these uh, Jews who were becoming Christian. Everybody said, well, what kind of laws do we have to follow, the Jewish laws anymore? And they said in Acts of the Apostles, there arose no little debate or dissension among them, which is a polite way of saying they were probably at each other's throats. <laughs> These are first century people. They're ready to probably kill each other. So what do they do? They have a synod, and they talk and pray, and they come back, and this is what they say. It is the decision of the Holy Spirit and us that you should do this. It is the decision of the Holy Spirit and us that you should do this. Who talks like that? Nobody talks like that today. You would, somebody come up to you and say, I wish that we talked and prayed the decision of the Holy Spirit in us. They talked like that because they knew the person of the Holy Spirit intimately in their life. They knew its movement, its power, the wind. They knew when it was there, when it wasn't, and they trusted it, and they went with it. Friends, that's the way we're meant to know the Holy Spirit as a wind that we can receive and count on will direct and show us the way. You know, this, this little uh, conflict happened like 40 years into the church. It's like the church is getting started and they're already ready to tear it apart. 
It's like, welcome to the permanently messy life of the church, huh? <laughs> it started early then, and it's still going on. Friends, we're in a mess right now in the church. And are we going to just talk and debate our way through it? Or will we seek with all that the wind, the spirit to get us through the mess as he did back then? This mess, our church will never move on by positive thinking and willpower. It'll move on by the power given it. The church is messy. Life is hard. Faith is hard. But we're not orphans. We're given the Spirit to be breathed. Friends, here's the thing. I'm going to end with this. You know, we're trained in life that our survival demands a certain skepticism. You know, it's just, it'll be safe if I'm skeptical. And we're trained to cope by keeping our desires within realistic limits. You know, keep people in their place. Don't rock the boat. Keep it safe. We want to go through life safe. But that doesn't work with God. Safety doesn't work. In fact, the problem is we desire too little from God. We even want to keep God in a place or space. I'll attend, but that's good enough. The only way we go forward is by expanding our expectations. And let me give you this line, by making his generosity not our poverty, the measure of our expectation. By making his generous love that is poured in the Spirit, given to us in his Son, Jesus. By making his generosity not our poverty, not our stuff and our limitations, the measure of our expectations. We measure our expectations by Him, by who He is, by how He's revealed Himself to us. And that encompasses everything. Everything. Friends, the Spirit isn't prissy or stale. It's not distracted. It's not exhausted. It hasn't petered out. The Spirit is vital. It's a flame. It's blazing. It's never idle. It's always in movement, waiting for the heart that will breathe it in through letting go of control and saying, yes. Come, Holy Spirit, come. From the depths of your heart, every day, friends, we have to pray every day. Come, Holy Spirit, come. You know, you're given a credit card in the mail. Do you ever get those? It's your credit card, right? 
It has buying power. But you have to dial it in. The code, right? You've got to dial in to release what you have. You and I have to dial into the Holy Spirit in our daily prayer and with others to call upon Him. It's really kind of what we do at Mass, but we don't get it. We call on the Spirit. Let us do that today. Let us do it in the quiet of our heart. Let us do it as friends, and let us do it at this Eucharist and on this great day of feast of the person of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for listening and for sharing the good news with Deacon John, who asks you to come back often and support him by subscribing, by rating the site, and please share our site with others in your circle.